This is KMTT and today's Thursday this Zman Choref Taf Shin Ayin will be having a series by Rav Kalmin Newman on society and halacha. I'm Kalman Newman and this is the second session in the series of Shurim on halacha and politics. To quickly sum up what we said in our first meeting, we mentioned the methodological problems in engaging in questions of halakha and politics, the unique problems involved in trying to create halakhic discourse, involve, involve ourselves in psak halakha regarding uh, these type of political questions. The number of problems engaged in this project are manifold. First of all, the number of texts we have are limited, and they're especially Older texts such as Tanakh and Chazal, we do not have an uninterrupted tradition of halachic discussion and deliberation that we have in other halachic areas. We do not have an uninterrupted tradition of practical application of those rules. I gave an example. I said, Brit Milah is something that's been done uninterrupted by Jews for hundreds of years. We have a tradition, both written tradition and a tradition passed by by practitioners and rabbis from generation to generation. In the case of political issues, we are very, very limited in the type of precedence we have and the type of tradition that was handed down. We also have, in modern times, uh, to deal with new political uh, institutions that are not specifically mentioned in the classic materials, and we have to find a way to uh, introduce them into the halachic discourse, right? Just like we have new technological advances, we have to deal with a question like electricity, then we also have to deal with the question of what is the modern state. However, the modern state is more problematical uh, to integrate into the halachic system because it's by definition an imaginary entity. Uh, I would compare that perhaps to the difficulty that halacha has in uh, dealing with a modern concept such as the corporation, the uh, limited uh, corporation, right, which is a legal person in some senses, and halakha does not uh, have, at least explicitly, the tools to deal with that. And again, the people who are involved in Mishpatevri have tried to suggest a number of solutions to the issue of the corporation. But when we're talking about a state, we're talking about concepts like sovereignty, like citizenship, we have many questions about how to apply classical halachic categories to these new entities. In any case, now, we will start to deal with one of the major questions of any political discussion, and uh, namely, the question of the best regime, what is the proper uh, way of ruling? Almost any political thinker or political philosopher asks that question, what is the best regime, what is the best way of organizing a political entity. Uh, Halachists don't ask the question in such a way. They ask, is there an obligation to organize a political entity or a Jewish political entity in a certain way? Is there a certain way in which the Jewish political entity should be run? Is there a mitzvah or a chiyuv to do such a thing? It stands to reason that there is a connection between such a mitzvah or to the question of what is the best political regime. One could assume that if the Torah mandates 
a specific political regime, it is because it is the best uh, in general, or at least the best for the Jewish people, or at least the best for the Jewish people at a specific time, or under specific conditions. Uh, it does not sound reasonable that Torah would require us to have a political regime that is inferior. It could be, on the other hand, that the Torah doesn't take a stand on the question, does not have a specific uh, uh, political structure that is halachically required, and that could be left up to uh, the people or whoever is organizing the regime to do as they wish. But again, I would emphasize if we are to come to the conclusion that the Torah requires, mandates, commands a specific political way of organization, let's say for our purposes, if the Torah uh, says that we are required to have a monarchy, it stands to reason that the Torah thinks that monarchy is the best political system, or again, at least the best political system for the Jewish people in certain conditions. So this is something we will have to uh, come up with as we go on. So does the Torah mandate a specific political system? Or to be more specific, is there a mitzvah or a chiyuv, an obligation to establish a monarchy? This question is referred to or can be based on a number of problematic uh, portions of Tanakh. Of course, we have to really understand the entire history of Am Yisrael in the time of Tanakh, which is not part of our goal now. And... We will see in Chazal that there are different ways of resolving the contradictions between the Psukim, and this carries over to the time of the Rishonim. What are the basic texts? First of all, the Psukim in Parashat Shoftim, Perak Yudzayin, Psukim 14 to 17. Ki tavo al-aret asher Hashem elokecha noten lach, v'irishtav yashavta ba, v'amarta, when you come to the land that Hashem has given to you and taken possession of it and sold it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations around me, and here, of course, the question is how to interpret this pasuk. Does som tasim alecha melech mean you shall, you must, or you may, you are able to? If you wish, you can, or does it mean you are obligated to do so? Okay. This, we will see, is the big machloket between the Rishonim. Then the Pasuk continues and limits the possibility of appointing a king. It says, Mikerev achicha tasim alecha melech, lo tuchal latet alecha ish nochri asherlo achicha hu. You should appoint the king from your brethren and not appoint a foreigner, Ishnochri, someone who is not Jewish. The second text refers to the time of the Shoftim, that it says that the people of Israel in Shoftim Perkhet, Pasukav Bet, Vayomu Ish Yisrael El Gidon, Mishal Banu Gamata, Gambincha, Gambem Bincha, Kihoshatanum Yad Minyan. Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson as well. For you have saved us from Minyan. But Gidon rejects this offer. Neither me nor my son shall rule over you. Hashem himself will rule over you. So what we can see here, first of all, is that one of the changes that is proposed 
when Gidon is offered this uh, new status, is that the rule will be hereditary. In other words, certainly uh, the status for Sophet was not hereditary. Certainly, after the Sophet died, there was a need to find someone else who would uh, fill up this role of the Sophet. And uh, what was pr- uh, suggested to Gidon is that he he will establish a new uh, hereditary rule in which he and his, all his offspring will be part of it. Gidon says, refuses it, and he says, no, neither not me nor my children will rule over you. Hashem himself will rule over you. The idea that the pre-monarchial rule is the rule directly of Hashem appears also in the well-known passage of the establishment of the kingdom by Shmuel. We're talking about Sefer Shmuel Aleph, uh, Prakim, Perikhet, basically what starts in Perikhet. The people come to Shmuel and they say, Sima lanu melech l'shoftenu b'kechol ha'goyim. Appoint the king for us to govern us like all other nations. And we are told that Shmuel was displeased by this. And, however, Hashem says to Shmuel in Pasuk Zayin, do not uh, ignore what they said. You should fulfill their wish because actually it is not you who have they rejected. Don't feel, don't take it personally, but it's really me who they have rejected. So here again, we have the idea that Hashem himself is the ruler of Am Yisrael and the king is coming instead of the ruler. And obviously in Sefer Shmuel, okay, it's presented as a bad idea, although Hashem agrees to the wish of the people. The idea that Hashem, before the establishment of the kingdom, was the direct ruler of the uh, political system of Am Yisrael is an idea that has a further career later on. Uh, Later, uh, in in, uh, the time after Bayacheni, the term theocracy was coined by Josephus to describe the Israelite political system. And it has uh, uses today, it's used in different ways. We have to be careful. The real meaning that Josephus gave to the term theocracy was the direct rule of Hashem, not the rule of religious leaders. In other words, the rule of religious leaders is not theocracy, but rather something else. In any case, what we have here in these psukim, we have a tension between the psukim and dvarim, which at least may be understood as mandating the establishment of a king, and the psukim in Shoftim and Shmuel, which seem to frown on the establishment of the king. This tension is found in Chazal, and we find Machlokot already in the Tanaim, and brought down in the Gemara, regarding the mitzvah of establishing a king. I'll quote from Sifri Dvarim, I'll quote in English, for our purposes, uh, the Sifri and the Psukim in Dvarim. And you shall say, I will set a king over me. Rabbi Norai says, This is to Israel's discredit, as it says, For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not be king over them. Said Rabbi Yudah, but it is, it is 
Is it not a command of the Torah that they should request the king? For it says, you should surely place the king over you. In that case, why then were they punished in Shmuel's time? Because they rushed matters. So basically what we have here is one approach that takes the psukim in uh, Shmuel as the core, as the basic idea that asking for a king is a bad thing. In which case we interpret the psukim in Dvarim of the people asking a king for, as a negative thing. The Torah describes uh, uh, the possibility of the people asking a king, but nevertheless, it is not something that should be encouraged. Right? It is not something that should be encouraged. Rather, davar ze davar Israel, as Rabbi Norai says. Okay, that is one approach. On the other hand, the other approach the approach of Rabbi Huda is that it is a mitzvah of the Torah. Right? So why, why what is the problem? Right? It's mitzvah mena Torah It is a mitzvah of the Torah, Buddha says specifically. And here now we have to reconcile the Psukim and Shmuel. Why in the time of Shmuel was uh, the uh, kingdom frowned upon? Why would the why was Shmuel not uh, excited or encouraging of the people's request for a king. And here, uh, in the Sifri, Rabbi Yudha says, uh, because they rushed matters. That is one interpretation. That interpretation itself is open to different understandings. Exactly what did they rush? Why was this considered rushing? Maybe they should have waited till Shmuel died. Maybe they should have waited according to one opinion, for the Binyan Beit HaMikdash, maybe there were other circumstances that had to be done. Okay? That is one approach, uh, one way of reconciling the Psukim in Tvarim with the Psukim in Shmuel, if we say there is a mitzvah to have a king. Another approach that appears in Chazal, uh, this discussion is in Masechet Sanhedrin, Davchaf, that the difference was not uh, was between the request of the people and the request of the Zekenim. The people asked Shaloka Hogan. The people's request for a king was not for proper uh, motivation. The, the request for a king was not a proper uh, uh, reasoning, was not for the proper aspect of the king. It was a, a rejection of Torah. It was a rejection of the law of the king. It was perhaps uh, a wish to be kechol hagoyim, like all the nations, which perhaps is not a good idea. So there are various interpretations given. Again, this is not a shir in Tanakh, right? There are various reasons given according to the shita, according to the approach that there is indeed a mitzvah of minui uh, melech. So uh, there are various ways of reconciling this with the rejection of the king by Shmuel. Right? However, again, these two interpretive possibilities continue to exist. Do we prefer the story in Shmuel and say that really having a king is not an obligation, not a mitzvah, maybe not even a good idea? It's certainly better to prefer the direct rule of Hashem. Or do we say that the psukim in Dvarim seem to indicate that establishing a king is a mitzvah, in which case we have to find a reason for justifying the rejection of Shmuel. Okay? This, again, uh, uh, reflects different opinions in the Rishonim, in, in Chazal, and later in the Rishonim. Another important comment of Chazal that refers to the mitzvah of establishing a king 
is the famous Breita of Rabbi Yehuda, which appears also in Sifri, not in Shofti, but in Re'ei, and is quoted in the Gemara in Sanhedrin and other places, in Chazah. Okay? Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Shalosh mitzvot nitztavu Yisrael b'shat k'nisatam la'aretz. There were three mitzvot that Am Yisrael was commanded upon when they entered the land. Limnot lehem melech, to appoint a king. Livnot lehem beit ha to build the Beit HaMikdash. Ulachrit zera Amalek, and to destroy the offspring of Amalek. Here we have a number of important factors regarding these mitzvot, this mitzvot, and these mitzvot as a group. First of all, we have the concept of mitzvot shenitztavu Yisrael. Okay, these mitzvot uh, are collective mitzvot. Okay, the mitzvah of establishing a king, such a, and the mitzvah of building the Beit Hamikdash, as well as the mitzvah of eradicating Amalek, are mitzvot on the Jewish collective. These are different from the most mitzvot that are incumbent on the individual. These mitzvot require a tzibur, require a community. Okay, so the very nature of these mitzvot assume the collective corporate existence of a Jewish community, uh, much as we're aware of the concept of how halacha recognized the concept of a community regarding korbanot. Right? We have a category regarding sacrifices of korbanot tzibur, of community sacrifices. These are not uh, korbanot, sacrifices brought by the individual or neither by all the totality of individuals, but rather the co- corporate body of Am Yisrael, of Kres Yisrael that brings the korban. In the same way, these mitzvot are incumbent on Israel, on the people of Israel, on the community. Right, The mitzvah of establishing a king is a communal mitzvah. The Brita specifically refers to three mitzvot that the people of Israel were obligated when they came into the land. Bishat Knesatam La'aretz. And it's interesting, uh, uh, perhaps one could have read these mitzvot as mitzvot that are uh, one-time mitzvot. That is when they were commanded to do it. But uh, the halachists, and we'll see the Ramam does it specifically, right, assume that these mitzvot, the obligation of of these mitzvot began with entering into the land. That would explain why, for instance, there was no uh, king uh, uh, before the entrance into the land. But uh, these mitzvot continue to exist. In other words, these mitzvot were not one-time obligations, but these three obligations are uh, eternal obligations. They are part of the eternal system of mitzvot of the Torah. Okay? So that is, uh, if we accept that right of Rabbi Yehuda, then specifically, he specifically says that the mitzvah of establishing a king is one of the three mitzvot Within, with the entrance to the land, and we can assume that uh, the mitzvah continues to exist beyond the entrance into the land. The mitzvah is a eternal mitzvah, like all the 613 mitzvot, right? The Rambam, for instance, uh, in his enumeration of the 613 mitzvot, clearly distinguishes, he says, all the mitzvot that are, make the list of the 613 are mitzvot that are obligatory at all times. Now, there may be situations that make it impossible. For instance, the mitzvah to eradicate Amalek is, uh, cannot be accomplished because today we do not know who Amalek is. And it probably would be rather severe to kill people uh, uh, on, just on the doubt that perhaps they're Amalek. Okay? In any case, uh, uh, that mitzvah cannot be performed today 
But it's not that the mitzvah has been written off the books. The mitzvah continues to exist as one of the 613 mitzvot, although it cannot be uh, achieved because of external uh, conditions. That's different from a mitzvah which was originally a one-time mitzvah. The example the Rambam gives is the mitzvah not to go up on Har Sinai uh, that the people of Israel were commanded before the giving of the Torah not to go up on the mountain. Right? That mitzvah was a one-time mitzvah, and with uh, the giving of the Torah, then that mitzvah is no longer applicable, and there's absolutely no prohibition to go up on Mount Sinai. In any case, as we've seen, there is a machloka within Chazal, if there is a mitzvah to appoint a king or not. What is the halacha, or who at all can pass in halacha on this question? The interesting thing is that there are different opinions in the Rishonim, or even before the Rishonim. In the books of listing the 613 mitzvot, the early ones, uh, in many of them, uh, the mitzvah of appointing a king does not appear. And indeed, Rabbi Ruchov, official Perla, in his uh, book on Sefer Mitzvot of Rav Sadiagon, which is a very voluminous book in which he uh, surveys uh, much of the literature regarding counting the 613 mitzvot, he claims that most of the Gaonim and uh, many of the Rishonim did not uh, list uh, establishing the king as a mitzvah, and he is even surprised about the sheet of the Rambam, who does. Okay? And we can add other people. For instance, the Eben Ezra in his commentary on the Torah says that Som Tasim Alecha is optional, is not an obligation. Uh, so therefore, there obviously were halachists who did feel that there is no obligation to establish a king. However, when we get to Hilchot Melachim, when we talk about the halacha of politics, there's no doubt that the Rambam has a special, unique status, even more than in other halachic issues. And the Rambam very clearly, explicitly emphasizes that there is a mitzvah to establish a king. He does that first in Sefer HaMitzvot, in his list of the mitzvot, uh, when he lists the uh, positive mitzvot, mitzvah, kuf, ayin, gimel. Kuf, ayin, gimel is uh, 173. He counts as the mitzvah to establish a king. Yekabetz kol umatenu v'yanhigenu, who will collect and lead all the people. Uh, and he quotes, of course, the Breitah that we just mentioned uh, in uh, of the three mitzvot. And he does the same in the beginning of Hilchot Melachim. He quotes the Breitah of the three mitzvot and lists as one of the 613 mitzvot the mitzvah Limanot Melech Israel to appoint a king from Israel. And, of course, uh, the addition from Israel does not mean that... Uh, uh, means that, of course, uh, in addition to the pro, the negative commandment not to appoint a, a king who is not from the Jewish people, in addition, uh, there, the positive mitzvah of establishing a king is only a melech Israel. That seems to be obvious. For the Rambam, the idea of a king fits in with his understanding of the nature of the political system, which, as he explains in Moren Vuchim, requires a leader who will be able to organize the diversity of the community. Man is a political animal, Rambam learns from Aristotle, and that political animal requires a ruler in order to organize the society. 
Thus, Rambam begins Hilchot Malachim, the laws of kings, with quoting the Brita of the three mitzvot that Am Yisrael were commanded when they entered the land, Limnot Lehemelech, to uh, appoint the king, and he says that is the first mitzvah of the three. It precedes both the mitzvah to engage in war against Amalek, and it precedes the obligation to build the Beit HaMikdash. And then Rambam asks, since establishing a king is a mitzvah, why did Hashem look down? Why did he look with disfavor on the request made by the people from Shmuel for a king? Rambam answers, because they asked in a querulous spirit. The problem was their motivation. The request was prompted not by a desire to fulfill the commandment, but by a desire to rid themselves of Shmuel the prophet, as it says, Kilo Tchamasu, Kilo Okay, as we saw previously. The opinion of the Rambam that Minui Melech appointing a king is a mitzvah, is a mitzvah doraita, is echoed by a number of Rishonim. For example, the Sefer Chinuch, who, as we know, often follows the Minyana mitzvah of the Rambam. He lists mitzvah Minui Melech, and he also justifies it. Right? He, the Sefer Chinuch gives a reason for all, for each mitzvah. And he explains that there is a need for every nation to have one person to be the head in order because people are different from each other. Again, echoing the Rambam, people will not agree, will never agree to do one thing together, and therefore there will be uh, chaos. Therefore, they have to accept one opinion, whether good or bad, in order to to succeed uh, in their endeavors. Okay. Notice so both Rambam and Sefer justify uh, the establishment of a king for what we would call secular reasons. In other words, just like every nation needs a king, so we need a king too. And of course that echoes the description of, of the Tanakh, right? Kichol Agoyim. Just like every nation has a king, the people of Israel have a king too. Who holds the other opinion? As I mentioned, there are a number of Gaonim and Rishonim that did not count the appointment of a king as a mitzvah. However, the most famous discussion and uh, explanation of the reason why uh, having a king should not be a mitzvah is the famous discussion of the Barbanel, which appears three, in three places in his commentary. First, in his commentary on Shmon, Parashat Yitro, his commentary in Dvarim, on uh, Parashat Shoftim, and his commentary on the Vimishonim in Shmuel. Okay? There are slight differences between the different descriptions. I just want to point out the major thing. Note, of course, that Abarbanel in general is not considered a major halachic figure. We would never think of quoting him as a significant halachic opinion in other issues. But precisely because of the uniqueness of the question of politics, because of the fact that we do not have material and discussions uh, to the extent that we have in other areas, and because Abarbanel is a unique uh, opinion, therefore he's often quoted, studied, and discussed in this context, and we will see as we go on later. In any case, the position of Abar Benel is very clear. He says, halachically, in a halachic sense, there is no mitzvah to appoint a king. The allowing the people to have a king is a concession, is an accommodation of Hashem to the Yetzirah, just like the mitzvah of Yifat Torah, there's absolutely nothing good in having a king. 
And that he gives a number of reasons for. First of all, he says that all the justifications for having a king, that a king brings stability, that a king uh, creates unity, all these things are not true. As a matter of fact, it's much better to have rotating leadership and to have the king, to have the leaders accountable and to have uh, decisions by committee and not by one person. And he says, in addition, that experience has shown that this has been to be the case. Uh, Abrabanel describes in glowing terms the Republic of Venice, which he himself visited, lived in for a time. The Republic of Venice was renowned in Europe. It was There's a uh, historical term called the myth of Venice. Venice was described as this ideal uh, uh, polity, which was governed by a series of councils. And again, Abrabanel uh, uh, joins in with the uh, praise of the polity of Venice, and he says, here we see this works much better. Ca- how could it be that the Torah would command us to have an inferior political system? That's claim number one of that Barbanel. However, Barbanel adds another consideration. He says, even if only kings could enforce laws, law and order, which is not the case, this would not apply to Israel. Our people having nothing to gain under the monarchy. Even if monarchy was indispensable for non-Jews, this does not apply to Israel. Why is this the case? Because Abarbanel, echoing again the words of uh, Gidon and of uh, Sefer Shmuel, that the ideal political system is the direct rule of God, Abarbanel believes that that is the proper political system for the Jewish people, that we have to be ruled directly by Hashem, and the use of a the appointing right of a human political king is a rebellion against God, and therefore, uh, uh, Abar resurrects, as it were, the theocratic ideal, and on that basis he rejects the notion of a king. So here we have almost we could say two schools of thought, right? Those who follow the Rambam and say that there is a mitzvah to have a king and those who either say there's no such mitzvah, or, like the Abarbanel say, that the kingship is a bad thing, and the Jewish political system should be different. Next time we'll try to ask, how do contemporary poskim, given these uh, classical positions in Tanakh, in Chazal, in the Rishonim, how do they deal with contemporary questions? How do they uh, uh, translate these discussions to contemporary reality. Toda.